Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. On today's episode, we're talking about the one deadly mistake that startups everywhere are making. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. All right. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. And I'm excited today to talk about one of the biggest mistakes that I'm seeing startup founders make in business. And it actually, it brings me back to an article I wrote probably three or four years ago where I really lit up the startup world because I was frustrated by a trend that I was seeing really over and over again. Now, before we get into that, my name is Blake. I run the Good Advice podcast. I run the business Good Advice, and we grow and scale businesses. And the reason I have this podcast is I just I wanted there to be a place where I could talk about the things that made sense to me, the things that made sense to the people that I work with, those actionable, practical things that just work in business. And there was a news article that was put up in front of me. A friend of mine shared this news article a couple of days ago, and then today he shared it again. And it was so impactful that I just had to get on the microphone and talk about it today. It was so meaningful that I had to get on and talk about this. Now, if you aren't familiar with the startup world, there, there are a little bit of differences with what I, at least in my mind, I have you know, entrepreneurship as a whole, like you're going to go out and you're going to start something and do something. But I personally don't loop in startup founders with, uh, it's not a, um, you know, a term that is synonymous with you're an entrepreneur. You know, I, I don't think of, for example, someone who goes and starts their side hustle, washing windows, for example, I don't think of that person in the same terms as being a startup founder. And it's neither one's better or worse. It's just, it's not where my mind goes. Typically, when I think of a startup, personally speaking, I typically think of something tech-related. I typically think of something that is aimed at disrupting a certain industry. And it is something creative and new that hopefully will develop enough traction that that startup will become a sustainable business. So that's where my mind goes when I think startup. Uh, everything else, you know, something that's a proven business model, it's already out there, it's already something that you can pick up and do, i.e. washing windows, uh, and not even just like an actual like sweaty startup type thing. Um, I think of, you know, if you're going to offer cons consultative services, if you're going to do training and development, what have you, these things that are proven industries, you know, they're still entrepreneurial if you decide to go do those things, but I don't think of them in terms of th those being startups. So having said that, um, I want to talk about this band over here, the startup world, and really my beef with the startup world. 
And it's it's not anything that is. I have plenty of friends who are startup founders. This isn't aimed at you know really anyone in particular. But a few years ago, I wrote an article that said something like, um, I think it was titled, Stop Using the Term Startup for Your Bad Business Practices. And the reason that I wrote this article is because I had a guy that I was talking to, I was giving advice to someone who he was working for a startup and that startup had basically run out of cash. Uh, He hadn't been paid in six months. He had uprooted his life in the company. Basically, what happened was the the startup was not sustainable. And the founder basically said, it's it's the economy that we're in. It's the local economy we're in. And so the founder basically uprooted the business and took it you know, a few hours down the road to another town and said, hey, do any of you guys want to come with me? Now, I think there's more to it than that, because my the person that I was talking to was like, well, I felt guilty giving up on them. I felt guilty abandoning them. So I picked up my life and moved with them, which was pretty interesting terminology. And it actually made me wonder, um, you know, what did this founder guilt or manipulate this person into, you know, Hey, don't you want to be part of the dream? Like, don't you want to be part of the adventure we're on or what have you? Well, all this to say, this guy uproots his life. He moves to this new town And he is basically starving, unable to pay his bills, and is like, what do I do? And the conversation he and I are having is, is it time for for me to quit? Is it time for me to move on and do something else? And it's a similar conversation that that he had with himself earlier, which was, I don't want to abandon them. We're a year into this thing. I don't want to quit on them. I've already uprooted my life. Do I really want to do this? What do you think? And my advice was pretty plain and simple. It was, you should probably quit. Because this business sounds like it's dead, um, hasn't brought in any money. In fact, he replied with, you know, it's interesting. I don't get why we're not making any money because the business is valued at this many millions of dollars, which was interesting because as that conversation went deeper, I found out that the founder had basically said, you know, hey, businesses of that are like ours typically do this much in revenue per year, thus we are valued at that average number. So if this business in this industry does $10 million, usually across all these businesses in that industry, we're valued at $10 million, which by the way, that's not how valuation works. Um, Valuation in general is based on one, uh, the number of sales that you've done so far or estimated to have done or will do, excuse me, or users that you have, you know, the average uh, value on a user across all users. And it's not, it's not, yeah, I feel like we're worth about a million dollars. That's what I think. It doesn't work that way. This is important because I've had conversations with other founders who've had similar napkin math-esque evaluations of their business when they've never sold anything, they don't have any customers. And it's pretty dangerous, by the way, to say your business is valued at X dollars when you have no users, you have no customers, you never sold anything, um, you literally don't have anyone who uses your product or service. It's dangerous and it's pretty irresponsible. So I had found myself in conversation. This wasn't this conversation with this gentleman wasn't the only conversation. I'd been in an, a multitude of conversations and there were so many that happened in such a short span of time that I even found myself talking to business owners who were founders where I was like, that doesn't sound right. 
that, that sounds a little off. Okay, you've been in business for a year, you've never sold anything, and yet you're valued at $3 million? Like, okay. Or uh, I talked to one business owner, a founder who his business had literally gone nowhere. He had exhausted all of his um, own funding. He had basically run out of options. And there was just a lot that was dysfunctional about his business. And as I was talking to him, I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Okay, that doesn't make sense. And, and even small stuff, kind of basic stuff in business. Like, for example, he was using his personal checking account for all of his business transactions and his personal life transactions, which many people will tell you don't do that. Uh, it makes it pretty much a nightmare for your CPA or just bookkeeping in general. Well, so I was pointing some of these things out and he was like, oh, I mean, we're a startup, you know, and it's kind of, you know, I was like, why are you doing it this way? That didn't sound right. And he's like, oh, we're, we're a startup. And not only he told me that, but actually a couple other people told me similar language to the point where I was like, what is the deal with this terminology around? Well, I'm, you know, I'm a startup. I mean, I was like, what's going on here? Like, it feels like we're using startup to be like a catch all term for actually, I just run a really bad business. This is important because of a news article that came in front of me. My friend Damon Burton shared this uh, a couple of times now, and I think it's an amazing share. I think everyone should check out this article from NPR.org. And I'm going to read this article to you, and then I'm going to background it with some other conversations that I've been having in the last few years. There's some really powerful insights from this. If you're a business owner, if you're just starting out or you're looking to go to the next level, there's a key insight in this news story that I want you to get today. So here's the news article. I'm just going to read this article to you, and I'm also going to put the link in the episode description if you want to check it out for yourself. But I'm going to read this article because, again, there's some pretty interesting insights. So bear with me as I read this. Again, this is from NPR.org, and this is about Fast. Fast is a company that if you think about the, if you go to Amazon and you have like the one-click buy now function, Fast basically is a, a checkout startup that wants to take that button technology and apply it all across the internet. That's the simplest way to understand it. It's basically taking that, taking that technology and making checking out simpler for customers. So... Here's the article. Fast, the easy checkout startup, shuts down after burning through investors' money. This was posted on April 5th, 2022. Let me read this to you. Fast, a buzzy startup that attracted more than $120 million in investments in order to help people expedite online purchases, is shutting down, according to the company's chief executive officer, Dom Holland. Fast had stood out in a crowded field of one-click checkout startups after it landed a $102 million infusion of cash in a fundraising round last year led by payments giant Stripe. The company was embarking on its next fundraising round, attempting to bring in new money at a valuation, there's that word again, at a valuation above $1 billion also known as a unicorn status in Silicon Valley when it ran into trouble. Fast had hired hundreds of employees, including highly paid executives, but the company's product was generating little revenue, according to several former employees. The tech publication, uh, The Information, it's the name of the, art of the publication, they first reported that Fast had generated only about $600,000 last year. 
Several rank-and-file workers who the company referred to as Fastronauts told NPR they had noticed Holland, the CEO, pouring significant money into deals aimed at creating marketing buzz like partnerships with sports teams, and they questioned the benefits. With Fast, said one former employee, who requested anonymity out of fear of retaliation, uh, which that's interesting. That's pretty indicative of the culture of this business. But this employee, former employee said, it was like, how quickly can we set money on fire? NPR published an investigation in February in which some closed, close to fast raised doubts about Holland's decision-making and others who knew him in his home country of Australia revealed lingering bitterness about the downfall of his company there. Um, blah, 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 blah. I'm not really looking to have any kind of big insight on the CEO because I don't know him and I don't care. Um, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. Um, fast aim to bring the one click checkout feature now available on Amazon to the rest of the internet. Uh, Amazon's patent expired five years ago and it set off a gold rush for companies like fast to try to take the tool to the rest of the web. Um, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, that's about it. So here's what's interesting about this story. You have a company aiming at a valuation of $1 billion. It's brought in over $100 million in funding, and it goes bankrupt. It, it, it shuts down. This, this story is incredibly important because it reminds me of another conversation I had with someone. I was talking with someone who works in the startup world and we were having coffee and I said, yeah, I, 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 she was asking about some work that I do. And I said, yeah, I help, I help startup founders. Um, and she was like, oh, like with their pitch deck. And I was like, no, no, not with their pitch deck. And it was an interesting question because that's where her mind inst instantly went. And as I got more, and this was very on early on in my business, but as I got more entrenched in the startup world, I started to notice this trend of passion and zeal and energy around how do I find my next investor? How do I find my next funder? How do I spend all my time and energy on the perfect pitch deck rather than creating a product that customers will actually pay for? That's the trend that I've noticed in the startup world is that people are obsessed with being that next big business that finds the huge investor that they're not putting in any of the time or work to actually create a product that customers say, yes, this solves the problem that I'm having. Yes, this is something that I really want from you. And it's no disrespect to this business in particular, but it's like I was I was sitting down with the guy for coffee, this would have been a few years ago, and he was showing me one of his products. And I have these kind of conversations occasionally, but this guy was showing me a product of something that he had invented. And I was looking it over and we were talking about it. And he said, I said, well, what do you want me to do for you? And he basically said, I want you to help me find someone who's going to fund a quarter of a million dollars for this product because I want to get it on Walmart shelves or retail shelves or what have you. He says, I'm looking for a funder for a quarter of a million dollars. And I said, okay, how many have you sold? Zero. Had, had not sold a single one yet. And I said, okay, um, it seems like that's a starting point. It seems like a starting point is actually validating 
that you have what a buyer would want, that you're actually, you've produced something of quality. And this is actually a really common conversation. And it's not just the startup world, it's in the entrepreneurial world where something typically happens where you have this idea for a business and you're like, it's so freaking amazing. It's awesome. I mean, I've had conversations with people who they're talking about like their online web platform and I'm like, yeah, well describe it to me. And they're like, oh, it's like Amazon, but better. And I'm like, really your platform that no one uses yet is better than this, you know, billion trillion, whatever dollar business that everyone knows about. Like you, you are sure of that when you don't have any customers or I was talking, I was giving advice to a guy who he was talking about a business that he's trying to start. And he was talking about some problems in this industry that he was trying to break into. And he said, I know what I sell has value. I know that it's a game changer. I know that people will love it. And I respectfully responded and said, how do you know that? How do you know that you don't have any customers? How could you know that what you have is what people want when no one has bought, has bought it from you? See, the simplest way to understand value is actually looking at who's given you cash for it or paid for it or bought it from you. And so going back to this guy that I was talking to where he was looking for a quarter of a million dollars in funding, and I said, you should try to sell it. You should try to get the product out there and actually sell it, you know, go to some of your local places and see if you can sell it. And he was like, I'm not really interested in doing that. I'm just kind of looking for funders. I'm looking for funding. And it was, it was so odd to me because I was like, why are we skipping steps in business? Like to me, what makes sense is you, you, you develop something people want, you validate that they want it because they pay for it. And then when it gets to the point of scale where it's like, okay, I know where, now I know where to scale this thing to, or I have an idea of where to take it to. I want to launch it in another place. I want to grow my capacity to produce it and then sell it. To me, that's when it makes sense to bring in investors. It's like, I don't have the personal cash flow. I don't have the personal money to bootstrap this to where it could potentially go. And so that's why I bring in investors, but we've, we've gotten it backwards where now there is so much pizzazz around the pitch deck where it's like, yeah, I'm going to start a business. Now let me, let me immediately start building my pitch deck instead of doing the basics of actually making sure you sell what people want from you. And this is the perfect example of it. This is a business who now the technology, I'm not knocking the technology, but it's interesting that this doesn't seem like this was run by someone who really, um, I mean, uh, it, it doesn't seem like it was a sustainable business from the get go. Uh, it seems like there were some in hindsight, pretty clear mistakes that happened, uh, and then you have employees who are afraid to talk about their experience because they don't want to get blasted. That's pretty telling, right? But see, the problem with this is that it's 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 a bit of my issue with the startup world, the startup conversation in general, because I don't fully I don't fully fault the startup founder for being energized around pitch decks. And the reason for that is because getting out there and bootstrapping your business does not create headlines. What creates a headline is we just recently acquired $100 million in seed funding or, or Series A funding or what have you. That's sexy. That's exciting. That gets clicks. 
people look at that and say, oh, wow, this is a business. Could, could this be the next unicorn? I mean, what, what is this? Wow, that's, what is this business? That's enticing. And so I don't fully fault the business owner for who sees the whole big picture as the ends justify the means. And it's like, yeah, I want to get my name in the paper. I want to get my name out there. I want to get the business name out there, even if I haven't fully developed the foundation of the business. And so it's less about knocking startup founders and it's more of like a plea to the startup world in general. Like we got to do bit, we got to do business better. We can't keep, I mean, it's like, it's like, um, there was a, there was a video clip I saw from Gary V years ago, probably four or five years ago. And I, I don't, I apologize because I don't remember any of like the context of it, but there was like, there was Gary V and a few other people who were there, part of like this panel. And then opposite of them were like these startup founders. And one of them had raised like maybe 60 grand. The next one had raised like 600 grand. And the third one had raised like $5 million. And the host, the person, like the facilitator of this conversation was basically asking the panelists, like, you know, they were all kind of applauding the $5 million business. And Gary V basically jumped in and was like, not to like short. And again, I'm butchering this because it's like so vague in my memory, but he basically was like, Hey, not to, not to blast. I mean, that's great that these people did $5 million, but the thing that I have an issue with is that it's implied that this 60 grand company is somehow doing worse because they haven't played the pitch game as well or as diligently as this company. Not saying that this company isn't valuable or full of value or valuable or what have you, but he was basically making a comment on, on the startup world in general, which is that we chase those numbers, we chase those headlines, and ultimately it's to the detriment of our customers. It's the, to the detriment of customers who aren't getting their problems genuinely solved. They're not genuinely being served by founders who are excited and interested in real, actual solutions. And it's, it's, it's just bad business. It's bad business. And I think we're all losing out because of it. Again, I don't fully fault the founders because of that. I mean, it's sexy to say that I got a big investor, a big investment for my business. Um, you know, and it's 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 just thinking it through. I, I talked to a guy who had um, raised quite a bit of investor money for his business, and we were talking very privately, and he he confided that he just didn't really know where his business was going. And he had gotten something like, I mean, it was a massive, like a multi-million dollar investor deal. And I said, well, I mean, doesn't that, doesn't that scare you that you don't really know if this business has legs to it? And in a moment of transparency, he replied, well, you know, it's not my money, which I was kind of like, yikes, that's a bit scary. Uh, and you know, not that he's manipulating his, his investors, but this is life in Silicon Valley is investors who are throwing money at a multitude of projects and hoping that one of them, uh, hoping that one of them is a massive exponential return. But, and again, no commentary on this CEO, but I'm sure this person, despite the business shutting down, I'm sure this person did well for themselves. Uh, you know, it's, it's just different when it's your money. It's different when you bootstrap. And that's why it's my encouragement to founders 
to bootstrap as long as you can. Here's why. Here's why I think it's valuable to bootstrap as long as you can. I think it's because one, it's going to teach you to do business well. The basics of business, how do I run a business? Like these are things that you'd be like, oh, I, I get this, I get this, until you actually get into it and you realize, okay, I don't get this. Um, managing employees, how do I build culture, especially at scale? These are things that come through, if you, if you don't already know how to do them, you acquire that skill set it's like forged by fire. Like when that employee quits and leaves you the one star on glass door and says, I hated working for you. That's a wake up call. And it's like, wow, I need to run my business better. These are things you don't always get when you don't bootstrap your business. Uh, the other side of it is it teaches you to hone in on what your product is and iterating it to what your customers actually want. It's one thing to get a $100 million influx of cash to play with. It's an entirely different thing when you look at your pocketbook and you say, I have $5,000. How do I build a business on five grand? And you get in front of a customer and you offer what you have. And they say, no, not interested. And then you go back to the drawing table. Okay, what am I missing here? And you think it over. You talk to people. Okay, what? How do I? Oh, well, see, here's what you're, you're talking about it wrong. Actually, like this, this customer, this is how they think about it. Uh, and that, that happened to me, by the way, was I was selling to someone, and one of my customers actually was kind enough to say, I don't really talk about it that way. I don't really talk. That's not really the language I use. Just FYI, I don't really use that language. And so that was an insight that I went back to the drawing board and I said, okay, let's, let's revisit this. Let's redo this. These are things that even though it was hard in the dry seasons, they have made me a better business person. It's not sexy to bootstrap. It's not, you know, um, enjoyable to bootstrap when you're in a cold sweat at night, thinking about how you're going to make payroll. These are agonizing times that you, you go through when you decide to run a business. But what I will tell you is that it is the hard experiences that make the journey meaningful. And I don't mean like this fluffy, you know, gee, I'm so glad I went through that. Uh, I'm not happy that I've gone through some really miserable times for my business, but I'm grateful that I understand business better. I understand how to serve my customers better. And I understand how to run my business better because of those experiences that I've been through. The pain has been informative for how I need to grow and develop and change. And these are simply things that I would not have understood if I hadn't gone through it. So that's, that's the journey of entrepreneurship. That's the journey of bootstrapping. And it's something I encourage you all to do. Don't chase headlines, chase building a business that customers actually want something from. Chase having a product or service that people will actually buy from you and you'll be much happier at the end result. Hey, that's today's good advice. Thanks for checking out the podcast. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash good advice. And of course, you can continue to follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. I so appreciate your support. Thanks for tuning in today, and I'll catch you later. That's today's good advice. I'll see you.